when I'm sitting and just thinking of what I've taken while it's getting processed, that is like a really like also fun part of the process for me is just like thinking about, you know, did these even come out well? If they didn't, like, that's fine. The experience was still there. I still got to take these photos. Welcome to episode 31 of the Flying Fruit Bowl. I'm your host, Aaron S, and today's episode is the second part of my conversation with photographer Trent Loder. Trent is a film photographer based in Portland, Oregon, who started his career during the COVID-19 pandemic. His work is about the exploration of his environment, and he often shoots mundane images that present a sense of quiet and cinematic intrigue. More recently, Trent has started to shoot portraiture for musicians, which is a really exciting step in his career. So, do you feel like you're part of a larger art community? Yeah, I would say I do. I think, I think I'm part of many communities, whether the communities know I am or not. <laughs> I think uh, <laughs> the art community specifically, I think the community I am a part of and everyone is cognizant and welcoming and, and I feel comfortable in is the Portland just kind of general music, creative community um through the podcast through the photos and also just through knowing a lot of really cool musicians and artists um and just good people like just really nice people um i do feel like i've been like pretty blessed to uh be pretty tapped in with everyone in portland and kind of the pacific northwest on a larger scale and then the larger communities that I'm feel like I'm part of, uh, I, I think I am. Um, it's just that of like, photo- like just film photography in general. I think, like I said, film photography, and I'm not sure if it's the same way with digital because I'm not super tapped in with digital. I, I follow a lot of really talented digital photographers and I think it has its own set of challenges and is just as valuable. Um, the film photography community is one, it's expensive. So it's hard to be fully invested in it. And then two, there's an air of like, I call it gatekeeping before, but kind of just an air of like, I'm, I'm cooler than, than this. Like, you know, the hashtag has always been like, uh, death before digital or like shoot film, not megapixels, stuff like that. Like, and I think that's like a really, that's the part of the community I don't want to be a part of. Um, But I get featured in a lot of, you know, film Instagram pages and stories and a couple, like I said, a couple publications and that's really cool. And I like being part of, you know, the, the community that uplifts one another, regardless of what they do as long as they're being creative or being passionate. Like, I think that's the most important thing. Um, And then the even larger community that I feel like I'm a part of artistic community is just that of just people who are passionate and like, like doing what they do. Like, I think you don't need to be necessarily a photographer or a painter or a musician or a dancer or anything like that to be creative. You know, there's creativity in everything. I was, a barista for years and like i think you can be really creative as a as a coffee consumer and a coffee lover i think you'd be really creative as 
a, you know, a engineer or like as a, um, a cook, a chef, like any, any kind of passion I think is, has the ability that you can be creative. In. And I'm like that, that is the, probably the community I'm most thankful to be a part of as somebody who's impassioned about, uh, just something they like doing and want to keep doing and enjoys doing. So there's a couple communities and I don't know if like, I don't know if any, you could be like, Oh, you know, loud packs in like any of those communities. And they'd be like, yeah, he's great. But I think, you know, if I feel like I'm part of it and I'm actively, you know, kind of going with the grain in those communities, I like to think that I'm part of them, you know? <laughs> yeah, of course. I think, yeah, absolutely. I think that's why I like asking that question to people. I think people, you kind of most reflect upon where you actually are mm-hmm. in terms of your, of your artistic career, whether, you know, whether you take it as a hobby or not, like it kind of makes you kind of consider like how far reaching is your work and or kind of like, without sounding kind of, kind of cliche, like where do you belong in kind right. of the artistic spectrum? Because I think, you know, kind of finding your place is something that's quite important. And actually, yeah, I shall ask you a question. Um, <laughs> it's like, so how do you define yourself as an artist without, you know, putting yourself into so much of a box? Hmm. These are, you have good questions. These are great questions. <laughs> this is the 31st interview I've done. I'm, yeah, I'm, you, I'm you know what you're doing. Um, Just about. How would I define myself? I think, well, one thing is I don't ever want to define myself by like, I, like you said, I don't want to put myself in a box in the sense where like, I don't want to define myself just through photography or just through skateboarding or music or anything like that. Like I really want to define myself in more of like a uh, overarching way. And I guess that would be just somebody who is really, uh, is really values passion and connection with people and objects and moments. Um, I'm like very sentimental in that way. Like I, I hold on to a lot of stuff for way too long because I just, you know, I have t-shirts that are two sizes too small because I just don't want to get rid of them because my mom gave them to me three years ago or something like that. Um, and like, so I'm, I'm very like sentimental. I think photography is a great reflection of that. Uh, obviously I want to remember these images I've captured, uh, in, I keep all my negatives. Obviously I have way too many negatives and like not a real organizational, uh, system with them. So, uh, that'll be fun to look through someday, but, and then beyond that, I think I would define myself in as just a, you know, a friendly enough person, somebody that I I feel like I'm personable and people generally like to get to know me. I don't know many, you know, I guess I wouldn't know this, but I don't know many people that I know that don't like me, you know, like, uh, (laughs) at least I hope that everyone I know likes me. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I think there's a lot of people that are like, I don't care if people like me or not. And like, that's fine. You don't have to care, but I do. And I'm like, I don't think that's a bad thing. Like I want people to enjoy being around me. So that's really funny because the vibe I got from you is very mysterious because I didn't really know of you until I spoke to you in terms of like, I looked through your Instagram. You're not very present on your own Instagram, which I find very, very interesting as a creator. Because one thing that, and I I feel like I mentioned this in almost every single episode, one thing that I'm really interested in 
is the personality of the artist and how that you kind of it can enhance their art mm-hmm. because sometimes some for some artists and photographers I use photographers and artists you know in the same term um, but some kind of artists they are their work um, and you know them for more for them than you do for their work mm-hmm. and and other people you know the mysteriousness of of the artist the creator is kind of what propels the work further and I'm kind of curious like where do you fit on that spectrum of you know of how much do you want to show yourself in relation to your own work uh yeah I don't I guess I kind of keep them separate I don't really know if I I I feel like I kind of exist more on either end of the spectrum than really like in any part of the middle like I really want people to uh, enjoy my work uh I'm not offended if people don't or don't like it like I, I I totally get that um but I really want people to enjoy my work and find it uh comforting because that's really what i find it it's more than anything i think it's like a very like uh it res the images i make i feel like they resonate really easily with obviously with me because i took them but hopefully with other people uh but then as far as myself like i you know people might not know i'm a photographer at all and that's fine with me like i i don't i don't really I don't go around making it known that I'm a photographer and Instagram is interesting because that's the only social media I really have. Like, I mean, I have a Facebook, but I'm not using Facebook and, uh, and my other social medias are pretty niche ones. I I have a letterbox because I watch a lot of movies or whatever, but, um, but I like people that know me off of Instagram really only know that I'm that I shoot photos like I don't really post much about myself uh you know I get tagged in all the obligatory stuff so maybe they see that but yeah um but like I don't really post about like my personal life on Instagram uh that often and I don't know it's Instagram's always you know before it was a photography page which I guess now it is which is weird to say I never said that out loud uh <laughs> before it was a photography page, it was very personal. Like it was like a lot of, uh, like it was a lot of like my kind of humor and like a lot of my kind of, uh, satire and a lot of opinions about things. And that was fun. That's how people, you know, that I didn't go to school with or didn't like associate with in real life knew me. And I met a cool chunk of people that way. But then, uh, like I said, in November, I was just like, I don't really, I'm not on this app that much anymore. I don't really care about it. I'm really going to use this as just like a gallery space. Like I just want to post images that I make here. And if people uh, like them, great. And if not, like at the end of the day, like I couldn't really care less how many people like, like, or share or like whatever my photos. Um, And in that sense, it's like, I feel like I'm pretty unattached to the, to the, the image of me as a photographer. Like, I I don't really, I don't really mind if people know I'm a photographer or not. And I, and if they do know, I I do hope they like it, but if not, that's fine. Uh, Yeah. I don't know. I kind of, I kind of just don't really care about that much. Um, Like I said, I I can't stress it enough. I know I've said it a million times, but really the process and the experience is more, most important to me. And I can't always share that with everybody. Yeah. So if they don't get that from the image, 
or, you know, maybe a YouTube video is the way that you, you get that across. Um, but if they don't get that from the image, uh, then it's just an image to them. And that's fine too. At face value, it's just a photograph of a sign or a car or something. And that's cool. Like they like it cool. Um, but for me, Instagram and sharing the photos. And even if I made a zine or a book or something someday, that'll be what it is. It's just sharing the images. I can't really get the, I can't take everyone along with me all the time to like understand why I like doing this. Uh, yeah, I don't know. No, I think that's a really fascinating answer because you said that you're the kind of person that kind of hopes people would like them mm -hmm. but yet you're not present enough for people to know who you are to like yeah them. i kind of like That's the really interesting. there's a lot of like musicians and artists that uh you know they make these ep you know crazy careers these monumental careers and somehow keep their personal lives completely undisclosed oh yeah and yeah, i find yeah, that super not, yeah. interesting i love that i love the air of mystery behind an artist or a musician yeah yeah that's not a criticism that's just an observation oh, yeah, of my yeah, yeah, like no. it's kind of it, it's kind of really fascinating to to hear um because you know usually people shy away from that kind of stuff and people are a bit like you know like in my opinion at least particularly a lot of people i've messaged um when it comes to doing interviews particularly when it comes to doing interviews people are like, oh no i'm not comfortable doing that and then <laughs> i'm like but you know no one's going to see you they're just going to hear you and they're like oh no but still <laughs> and it's just like like I get it. Like you don't want to put yourself out there. That's fine. If you don't do that, that's cool. But like sometimes it's like it, it might be something we're considering. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. You know, you don't know what opportunities and availability, what opportunities can come your way from doing so. Definitely. Um, but then, you know, whatever you're comfortable with though at the end of the day. Yeah. I mean, so. that's part of it. I've always been this is kind of a side note, but like I think something that kind of reflects what I'm trying to get across is like I'm not like when it comes to like communicating with people like texting messaging stuff like that i can't i i, I hate doing it like I, I hate shooting a text or trying to have a conversation over text or in the dms or even email sometimes like i just i don't operate that way i'd much rather be on the phone or be in person and i think part of that is because i'm lazy and i just want to hold the phone like this but the other part of it is i don't think that i necessarily get the full i i don't you can't get well I, you not you can't i don't feel like i get my full experience or my full opinion or uh perspective across on on a purely like 2d digital you know, well, kind of I format i completely agree with that i completely agree with that i don't think i've actually met anybody else who's actually articulated it yeah well. like an interview like this you know probably you thought i mean i don't know i can't say for sure but you probably thought i was kind of like on the you know most people probably think i'm kind of like a dry communicator because they've only communicated with me over like a message but at the end of the day like if you get me on a phone call or like this like i love to talk like i could talk all day that's why the podcast is great like I, yeah it's so fun but yeah i mean on instagram my dms like people probably think i'm rude or don't want to work with them or something i, I honestly just like don't want to be texting that's the main thing <laughs> so but that's actually a really really good point just in terms of communication and kind of the style of communicator you kind of are right um so do you think that looking at too many images can be damaging and how do you kind of try to clear your mind from so many different images are you talking about like other people's images or my images yeah like what well, yeah like your like other people's images like for when you said so like you know if you're looking for inspiration to create new work yeah. like how do you kind of 
filter the kind of inspiration you say? I think, I think everyone's different. I, I would say like, I don't think it's damaging at all. I think I am a very like, uh, like I said, I'm kind of like a sponge and I take creativity and inspiration from like a lot of different things and images. I think the only way that it could be damaging is if you're comparing yourself to somebody else's images. Like I, I don't think anyone should be, I think it's great to be like, I love the, the, uh, emotion or the style or the, the way that this image makes me feel. And I want to be able to recreate that feeling in my own work. I think that's one thing, but I think if it's the kind of thing where you're like, I want to do this work. Like I want to, I want to do this, like, or I, I am not doing this and I want to do this. I think that's damaging. Like, I think you no artist should be, it's tough because uh, art is obviously been happening for as long as time has been happening. Uh, but, uh, and, and there's certain, you know, rules set on some types of art and by, you know, forces that I'm not sure that they necessarily even are qualified to set those rules and whatever. That's my own opinion, but, uh, like traditionally, like there's a lot of, uh, standards and stuff. And I, I think it's easier said than done, but I think throw all that stuff out the window and just do stuff that you want to do and drawing inspiration from other people's work is extremely valuable to me. And I think, um, I wouldn't have ever done photography if I hadn't saw somebody else doing photography and been like, that's cool. I want to do that. Probably, probably started because I saw grainy days on YouTube and was like, that's cool. Like, you know, he's walking around at night, just like hanging out with his partner and his dog. Like, I want to do that and make cool images. And, uh, yeah. So I don't think it's damaging unless you're putting yourself in a position to be compared to another person or, or, or setting yourself up to like recreate something that, you know, isn't the point. Like, that's not the point of art to me is to like, is to like, uh, copy something, you know, I, I think your art should be at least some part original and, uh, yeah, that's the only time I would think that. Yeah, that's actually, that's a great answer. And I think that kind of just shows your kind of clarity of, you know, wait, I like the fact that you said that, you know, taking inspiration with people is actually quite valuable. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of the time people kind of, kind of shy away from kind of admitting because obviously we all take inspiration from people we all look at images um but sometimes people were kind of very like oh no i don't do that right my work is you know purely original but it's like we forget that you know your work is an accumulation of everything you've seen you know it's all filtered down through your own lens so it's kind of a bit like well you know you have to have looked at something to get that image right um you know, to know what the cliches are, you must have to, you know, have to have to look at them. So I'd say, you know, 90% of my work is a photo of somebody else's work. Like a car is somebody else's design. A sign is somebody else's design. A park bench is somebody else's design. And that's fine to interpret that design in a different way or see it in a different perspective. But there's, and music is another thing where it's like, do you know how many people, like there's, it's not infinite music is like a chord is not infinite there's only so many things you can do with music 
And most of them have been done. Like it's, I would, you know, I'd venture to say almost everything has been done. You're really just recreating it in a way that feels original and that gets a different perspective on it. And that's fine. Like that's, that's really the baseline of art to me is like uh, style, you know, we're in the 21st century style and like perspective and design and all this stuff it's really hard to separate yourself from the next person. And I know my work looks exactly like somebody else's somewhere that I, you know, maybe I haven't seen, maybe I have, that's fine. Like that's the way that art exists. And like, it'll always exist that way. I think that's actually very comforting for me to know that like, I can only do this so many ways. <laughs> like, uh, and I chose this one and maybe I'll do it a different way some other day, but I don't know. Like, I, I just think that like, it's impossible to not draw inspiration. I feel like if you're, if you're existing, if you're not living under a rock, like how are you not drawing inspiration from somewhere? So that kind of makes you kind of consider to ask you then to ever kind of worry about repetition in your work. Uh, like, I guess repetition, like between my images sorry I, I keep forgetting yeah no no yeah absolutely so like so say for subject matter or for kind of just kind of visual repetition even mm-hmm. because obviously on one hand visual repetition can be a great style it could be a very, a very good kind of um motif in your work right in terms of like if you were to shoot like cars that could be like a really good thing but also it could also become very stale and boring mm-hmm. so it's like how do you kind of like yeah like how do you kind of like navigate that yeah yeah i mean yeah like i I hate to be i hate to keep just saying the same thing over and over again but like the idea for me is in the experience and no experience i've taken of a photo like any photo i've taken has felt exactly the same as another if it ever does i probably will hate that image like i probably will think that's the most boring image in the world even if it looks completely different if the if, if the process and the experience was exactly the same um you know it's only minute details that are different between each image but those details are enough for me to want to keep doing it over and over again um yeah if uh, i would say as the images themselves i could care less if they look exactly the same they probably do i have a photo of this motel and a photo of this motel and they probably look nearly identical but the the environment was different to me at the time so i got a different uh i i i got it differently and uh yeah i mean instagram is weird uh that's like i said that's the only place i post it and people are gonna see my instagram and if they follow me great and if they don't they might never see me again and i kind of just live by that like i don't really like i don't really mind if uh, someone sees my images and they, even if they think it's cool and they just move on to the next Instagram or the next image, that's fine. Like if they somehow pick apart my Instagram to the point where they're like, or my work to the point where they're like, wow, that looks exactly like that one. It's like, well, I was glad you were here for that time. Like, uh, you don't have to follow me anymore. If you're bored of it, that's fine too. Um, for me, it was different. And so I, I, love both those images or you know all could be all 60 of them i'd be like i loved all those images even if they looked the same they felt different and they're different memories for me so 
that's actually an absolutely great way of thinking about it and that's actually not a way i think about photography at all which is quite weird um yeah. you don't think about yeah actually that's really interesting you don't think about how it felt for the photographer to take that image as opposed to the image itself mm-hmm. because we're so used to seeing you know the visual final quote-unquote final image right. from the from the shoot so it's kind of Actually, that's a really, and that's, that's actually a really good point. That's not what I've ever thought about, which is super it's, weird. It's kind of a privileged point too. Like I said, I'm not doing this for a career or anything. So I get the liberty and the opportunity to recreate things and just love the experience that much. Um, people who do this for a living, especially, you know, portraiture work. Um, like I was just at my brother's wedding like a week and a half ago. And there was obviously a wedding photographer and she's done a million weddings and she's very good at what she does. And her images were amazing. We saw a bunch of them yesterday. Her images were really beautiful. And like, I'm sure she doesn't get the liberty to be like, I don't care if this image looks exactly the same as the next wedding. Like my brother wants the images to feel special for his wedding. And so I understand that that's like a really privileged and like kind of, um, I'm lucky to get to do that and have this other job that supplies all my income for this photography I do. Um, yeah, I mean, I I wish everyone uh, could have that liberty in their work, uh, whether they're paid for it or not. Uh, but yeah, I guess I'm in a I'm in a position where it's like, man, I don't really care if you don't like it. That's fine. <laughs> so. Talking a bit about um, social media, I guess, is probably the best way to put it. Um, Do you think that you can exist solely online as an artist? I think you could. I don't know how fulfilling it would be. Everyone's different and has their values in different places, but I, up to this point, have existed. Well, that's not actually true. To, To the outside audience, I've existed fully on the internet to this point for me i have a million physical pieces that i have never done anything with i have prints that i have never done anything with uh but they're mine and i have them and i look at them sometimes (laughs) uh but you know i think you can people have made their entire careers pretty much uh i mean talk about the pandemic there are musicians that have started their whole career during the pandemic unable to go to to do shows or do um you know, any live events, uh, and they're, you know, some of them are doing great. And I'm not sure about like physical media, like as far as like photographs and, and paintings and stuff, I, I imagine it's a lot trickier and a lot riskier to just try to live fully on social media or the internet right now. Um, but I don't know. I think you could, if you're crafty and like really had the drive to not do anything physical or live events or anything like that or galleries you probably could uh but i don't know it'd be hard (laughs) i wouldn't want to (laughs) i would want to have you know if i made this a a career more than a hobby i would absolutely want to have physical uh things that you can touch like i feel like that's really important to me it's like having photo books and stuff like that is important it's so funny because when I was speaking to Jake and to Zach, they both said exactly the same thing. Oh, yeah. And I feel like because film photography is such a physical process as well, I think surely 
there's something about film photographers that understand the importance of physical objects yeah. and, and having things physically published. And actually, I think it'd be really great. I don't know how much this will ever happen, but it'd be great if one of these big Instagram accounts like, you know, Cinema Somnia mm-hmm. or like Witness or something, if they actually did like a Kickstarter to create a book. Oh, yeah. Like well, they should do something like that. That'd be awesome. I know um, I'm forgetting the name of the account, but Jason Lee, uh, I don't know if you're familiar. Jason Lee was a skateboarder for a long time, became an actor. Yes, I am, yeah. yeah, for My Name is Earl. Now he's an incredible photographer environmental landscape photographer um he started an instagram that was basically yeah like a curated just kind of like submit your work we'll feature it and the cool thing that he does is every i think it's every quarter or maybe every two months or something he does a physical uh zine release of submitted works a lot of people are doing that um his is a lot more comprehensive and a lot more uh well designed and thought out and professionally done um and i and i believe i would hope i think he does compensate the people that get you know published uh but it's a really really cool concept and i I agree i wish more like large scale he has a lot a lot of followers on that um but i wish more like large scale media uh instagram pages and stuff would do that kind of stuff because you know everybody I know, especially film photographers want their stuff to be published or want yeah, their exactly. physicals. Like that's really important to a lot. We don't live in the world of darkroom printing anymore. Like that's not, you know, unless you're niche and really want to get into it, it's not easy and it's very expensive. Um, everybody wants to relive that, that wants the Renaissance of that, like physical, big, pearly, glossy print. Um, I want them too. I have a couple, but I don't do anything with them. Uh, but yeah, print is like really important to people, especially film photographers. I feel like. Yeah. So that I've noticed and there's, and I'm now I'm noticing it. I'm like, Hmm, what can I do about that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, no, really. I, I kind of want to a little bit change the answer to my question about existing solely on social media in the sense <laughs> that like, yeah, what you're talking about, like a multimedia kind of like artistic media, like just kind of uh community or like you know the way you're talking about it where it's more than just like let's talk to this artist and more so like what can we all share like what kind of information like I said I'm such a kind of like nerd about stuff like what kind of information can be shared what kind of um physical media I think that idea can exist mostly online like on a website on social media i think a lot of places like successful similar ventures like one that i think of all the time is the ringer which is mostly sports stuff but does politics and they're just kind of multimedia um they have been so successful because they do put a lot of time and effort and energy into their online presence as far as podcasting videos like uh, publications, um, blogs, but they've been very crafty about what kind of physical media can be released. And it really is only about 5% of what they do. Like is, is like books, like Bill Simmons has this massive basketball book that I've read a million times that was published by the ringers publishing. Um, 
that kind of stuff has been really successful because they do it in such a deliberate and crafty way and that everybody that you know already follows them because of their immense online presence needs to have that physical thing too and like in that sense i think yeah an artist or a uh, a big bigger community like what you're talking about probably could mostly exist online but i think there is like a necessity to not necessarily to be successful but to uh to keep your uh fans your readers or your or your you know whatever consumers engaged i think there is a small necessity to be to have a physical kind of you know even if it's merch i think even merch can get it done but have a physical thing that people will want to have um I don't know. As a photographer, as like a single photographer, that's like just kind of doing this for fun right now. I could probably get away with, you know, loving what I do only online, but I would, you know, my film photography soul wants physical prints, but man, that stuff is expensive. <laughs> no, no, it's just, it's something to think about though. Yeah. Like for no, sure. Definitely. And it's something, yeah, it's something that I'm thinking about because definitely it's not a trend I've noticed among at least the film photographers I've spoken to. Mm-hmm. Um, and most likely the ones I shall speak to. Um, because I'm very particular. It's weird. I'm very particular about the photography I've got on the flying football because I'm a photographer. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's actually, it's pretty much just cinematic nighttime film photographers. Right. At this point, it's pretty much just that. And it's pretty much that for the next year, <laughs> um, for the next for those four months at least. So it's kind of weird. Like I have a very specific. I'm very, very like it's weird. Mm-hmm. You don't see any portrait photographers, like per se. It's kind of weird. I should probably rethink that. But then again, <laughs> no, I like that. It's the kind of work that I really like. So yeah. I'd, I mean, it's even better. I get to talk to people like that's such an honor. Like it's so great. Right. Um. So anyway, getting back into history. Sorry, that was a no, complete tangent like on my part. Kind of so talking about success, actually, which is actually kind of a nice segue. Um. So so, what does it mean to be a successful artist, and has your idea of success changed? Hmm. Um, well, I'll say, I don't think I'm fully qualified in the sense of like what mainstream success might be interpreted as, which is like a large following and income off of your work. Uh, I'm probably not qualified to like comment on that because I don't have either, (laughs) but I will say that my personal idea of success, which is mostly just uh, structured around how much you value what you do and personally and like how much you like what you do. I think, yeah, that's what success is to me on like a personal scale, on like a relative scale. And I think that um, I've always felt that way. I don't think that that has changed that much. Um, That's success as an artist, I guess. Success is just like a general term. I think we, you know, Western kind of ideals of success in general revolve around, I don't mean to get too like political or like controversial, but like, I mean, Western ideals of success are uh, kind of structured around, you know, capitalism and money and things like that. And I, it's impossible to separate, you know, as of right now, it's kind of impossible to separate wealth from success because that's kind of what we're kind of all you know you work and I work 
to make money. Like yeah. we, we need to make money to live. And, uh, and so it's kind of impossible to separate the two. Um, but I think if you can do so on such micro scales, separate them on such a microscopic scale as yourself and like what you value doing or like even just your art, like then I think success to me is, yeah, just being like very comfortable in your work and happy with your work, whether or not you make money off of it or not, you know, I don't. And I still feel like, and I, and I also only have a thousand followers on Instagram and have no other <laughs> outlets. Uh, but I feel like I'm more successful than I was six months ago. So I don't know. You could take that as you will. Yeah. I think there's like two levels to it. And the greater one is something that's a lot trickier to navigate uh, because there's limits and suppressions placed on it uh, by bigger forces like capitalism. <laughs> uh, but then the microscopic ones, the micro level is a little bit more like personal to you and how you feel. And I feel like I'm somewhat successful in that regard. <laughs> I think that's really cool. Someone once said to me, I think it might have been an artist called Katie Harrod who I interviewed a while back. Mm -hmm. It might have been her. But she said the only person you need to compare yourself to is your past self. Mm -hmm. And I thought like that was really, really good. I agree. Yeah. I think that's, that's, that's clever because it's like, you're right. Like you don't have to have money to be successful. Right. It's about personal success. It's about you being happy where you are. For me, at least, should I say, mm -hmm. it's about, you know, being happy with where you are in life. Um, it's not necessarily about what you have. It's about how you feel. Right. Um, and I think, you know, a thousand followers more than I have at the minute, I must say, um, <laughs> I think a thousand followers, you can do a lot with a thousand. Followers yeah. Cause it's not about the account. So it's not about the number count. It's about the engagement you get from those followers. Mm -hmm. Like for me, if I had 10 followers and those 10 people message me every day to, to say they love what I do and or I can message them and see what they're up to and they'll message me back. That's worth so much more right. than a hundred thousand followers who don't pay attention to what I do and the numbers are fully. Agree. Like, yeah. You know, and I think for me personally is that like, it's so hard to not think about, you know, being popular and playing into the numbers game. But, but you also have to remember, or at least I have to always remember when I do feel like a bit like, oh crap, things aren't going very well, is that, you know, it's actually really what you want though. Mm -hmm. Like, And I, I, that's a question I ask myself all the time. Like when I feel kind of down about what I'm doing, I'm like, is that really what I want? Do I really want a million followers? Right. Because like, you don't. Not really. And, <laughs> you know, you really don't. And, and as someone once said, is that you only need a thousand followers who will pay you a hundred pounds and you have a hundred thousand pounds. Yeah. So, you know, you don't even need that, you know, the illusion of, of having a big audience to have a career is, you know, not even that realistic It's about, you know, building, uh, engagement and, and conversation and community with the people that do follow you right. as opposed to the people that might follow you like really. Yeah. And I think the, the ratio of like, okay, say you have a hundred followers and 70 of them like your work really resonates and they really love what you do and they you know they don't even necessarily need to tell you they love it they just do that's 70 percent of your following that loves what you exactly. do say you have a hundred thousand followers and 70 people uh, like love what you do i think there's more value in in that first ratio of people that first percentage of people um Cause yeah, like you said, the engagement isn't really there with a hundred thousand followers. 
even with my thousand, like I have maybe, I don't know, 20 people that every time I post, they comment or they message me or they share it or whatever. And, you know, I could just have those 20 followers and it'd be the same thing. Like, you know, so. Yeah. See, yeah, I can play a great. Something that I actually realized the other day, because, you know, I message a lot of ice all the time. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's just like, I'm not a great, I'm not the best person at keeping up with people. I'm really just in my everyday life. I'm not. (laughs) So to have more that just with general friends I have like outside yeah. of the fine fruit bowl so with the fine fruit bowl having to message all these people all the time um you know it gets me a bit much and then you think like wait what was if you're following gross and you've got to message more people and it's just like really like, <laughs> you have you have to kind of think about like right nobody actually mentions to you that yes having a big following is great and trust me who doesn't want the numbers because to other people the numbers look great mm-hmm. but the actual process of it and the actual fact it becomes like a full-time job just answering your emails right that is not a fun thing no um, <laughs> i think it's just something that maybe you should think about like like i think popularity and success you can have too much of it yeah particularly if you're not getting paid from if you have a hundred thousand followers and you're not getting paid from your work and yet you're having you know thousands of people tag you in posts every day thousands of people's commenting saying they love your work it's like that's not you know it's not productive to you actually getting on with your work right and as i always say like a million followers on your page is no good if you don't have that million pounds in the bank mm. um, unless you know like truthfully unless the followers are doing something for your bank account it really doesn't make any difference whether right. they're there or not yeah um which probably sounds very terrible to say no but... it's true and i think and i think that speaks you know i i don't think that the the macro level success that i talked about and the and the more personal level success are like mutually exclusive i don't think they can't ever overlap i think they often do and that's where it gets like the most tricky is like i you know personally i would love to exist in in off the grid people only know yeah. me for my photography and love my photography and that's it like I, even if I didn't make any money off of it, like I'd love to exist there, but I can't because I need money. <laughs> like, so it's like that macro level, you know, not even success, but just survival. Like, you know, that's where it gets tricky. Like, how do I, how do I maintain this like personal kind of like, how do I maintain this thing where people feel like they can approach me because I'm just a personal, personable person and they like my work versus like i need to get money out of these portraits so like i need to at least make my money yeah. back you know like it gets kind of tricky yeah. that way so i don't know it's a very it's a very tricky balance yeah it's a very absolutely. tricky balance because it's like i'm particular as artists a lot of artists i speak to are like more introverted than extroverted mm-hmm. so the whole idea of having to <laughs> communicate with people and approach people and kind of you know even kind of even just talking about their work right you know it's not something that comes naturally to them so that, that doesn't help anything either. Exactly. So it's <laughs> just adds to the terror right. of being an artist. Um, and yeah, sorry, going back to the point I said a second ago, like the reason I bring it up is because there's a photographer whose work I really like and they have a patron. And I thought I'd look at it the other day because I like to, to give to some people patrons. Right. Um, and I think he has like 70,000 followers or something like that. And he has about 60 patrons. Hmm. And I was like, that's kind of really interesting to, to think of like, who's actually willing to pay for right. the work you produce and who's actually willing just to look at the work you produce. Mm-hmm. They're two very different things. And there's a few podcasters that I know that 
I've listened to complain because nobody's following the Patreon or, right. oh no, you know, that 10,000 people listen to this podcast, but nobody, you know, is paying me money. And it's like, you have to remember uh, on any level, just because you create something doesn't mean people will pay for it. Exactly. Yeah. And I think that's something that you always have to remember. It's not the most positive thing <laughs> to think about, but it's something to think about. Well, you know, that's like, the thing the- is optimism pessimism realism they're all kind of separate and unfortunately cynicism exists too and realism and cynicism (laughs) are probably the most closely related so i mean it's it's tough because like if you want to be realistic you have to come to terms with kind of like the most disappointing parts of everything and most often unfortunately call it cynicism if you want most often the most realistic thing is the worst outcome. And like, you have to kind of like navigate that in a, you have to be positive as positive as you can be when navigating that. Uh, And yeah, there's some times though, where you're, I'm sure, you know, as a creator of, you know, with the podcast and with your own photography work, like there's some times where you're just like, man, I wish I could just catch a break and like, you know, really make it happen in one foul swoop but the odds of that happening are very slim and you know i feel like the more hard work you put into something if it never becomes successful and it's so cheesy but if it never becomes successful at the end of the day at least you can be like i really tried and i put everything into this and i wasn't all for nothing because i you know got the experience out of it at the very least and yeah that's true it's cheesy but it's true like that's very true. And and I guess my kind of slight random tangent kind of actually does lead into a question I was going to ask you, at least something that I was thinking about that you might be good to ask you. It's kind of like, how do you think that the kind of current setup of um, social media and like content creators particularly have kind of affected photography and the way people view photography? Well, I mean, <clears throat> anybody can be a photographer now. Like if you, you know, if you have a, if you have a cell phone or a smartphone, which most people now do, I would say, um, regardless of like where you live or what your income is, it's kind of that part of it at least is accessible. Um, if you have, or if you have a cheap, you know, cheapo little Goodwill thrift find point and shoot camera and a roll of expired film you found in your mom's closet or something like you can be a photographer and it's tough because in the world of content creation where everybody wants to it's good it's good I think content creation is really like I you know how I you know consume most of my information is through content creators um but in a world where you know it really is like competitive and you have to separate yourself from the pack if you want to be successful in the macro level uh everybody kind of wants especially in photography everybody wants to do it and no one really knows what they're doing half the time like uh and that's kind of the struggle and that's kind of the beauty i feel like of picking up a camera or a cell phone camera or whatever and just kind of like firing away um film photography is a little different because you know it's very expensive to just fire away (laughs) but uh but i think um 
in this, if you had asked me that 40 years ago, like, what is it like to be a photographer, like in this day and age? Uh, it'd be a lot different. You'd be, um, you'd be operating fully on film and uh, it wouldn't be as expensive because that's how everybody was doing it. And there was a one hour photo development on every pharmacy <laughs> uh, and it cost $2 a roll and you could find, or a disposable was, you know, $5 or something like that. Um, that was the way people documented things. And like, I think that the, 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 I'm kind of like just hitting on a lot of points, but I guess content creation has made it so it's more accessible because you can find out more now. Um, but it's less accessible because a lot of people feel discouraged if they're not successful really easily or like really quickly. Um, fortunately for me, I'm in a position where I make enough money in my day, my nine to five, if you want to call it, uh, that I can support this as like a hobby, but also I just love doing it. And it's not that, you know, it's not that difficult for me to just like get out and do it. Um, and I actually have to like give a lot of credit to content creators and iPhone photographers and, you know, these people that carry around a, like a GoPro in their hot flat, like their hot shoe on their camera and just like talk into a camera all day. That's why like, I'm kind of intimidated by being a YouTube, like ever starting a YouTube because it's hard. It's, it's really hard to put yourself out there and to be a personality that people are, you know, enjoy listening to or watching. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Like, I guess, I guess I'm not really like hitting the answer to the question. Cause I don't really know the answer, but content creation has probably definitely has vastly changed the landscape of photography. Um, sometimes for the better and sometimes for the worst, I guess that's a cop-out answer, but that's really. No, no, that's a great answer. <laughs> I'm just curious. I'm just, it's something that I haven't actually asked anybody yet. I don't think, mm -hmm. um, but it's something that I think about often because I think, you know, like sometimes I'm like, you know, is it, are there too many images or kind of, right. you know, like, like, how is it? I mean, I guess I always think of it more negatively, but now you said actually quite a positive thing as well. Like, how is it just effective photography? Mm -hmm. uh, but going back to the idea that anyone could be a photographer, do you think there's a difference between an image taker and an image maker? No, because I think it really depends on the person and the, and the perspective you're coming into it with. Like, I've seen people's vacation photos on an iPhone be some of the most beautiful pictures I've ever seen. And they probably didn't intend it to be like, they probably didn't sit there and like frame up that composition the way that I do, or like the way that somebody likes, like me does. They probably just fired off a photo they thought would be pretty. And it ended up being to me. And that's the other part of it is like, it's up to you. And then it's also up to your audience or up to the person doing it to, to like make that determination for themselves. Um, a, a picture taker versus a picture maker. I feel like, um, that all resides in the process. And like that, like I said, probably way too many times now, the process isn't, isn't always like evident in the image itself. So I guess, yeah, to the, to the person taking or making the image is probably, there's probably a big difference, but the person viewing the image and the audience that comes away with the image, uh, I guess it's like 
really dependent. Um, it gets kind of up to them to make that decision because like I said, iPhone photography is like a whole different world that I don't, I don't have any photos on here that like I took myself like, uh, or that isn't like imported from my scanner and thus a film photo. Um, I really don't take photos on it, but it's, uh, it's really, yeah. I mean, it's really a whole nother ball game. Really like your answers by that. They're really, really cool. They're really great. Um, yeah, I like your opinion. I think your opinion is very, very different as well, which is what I think I really like. So my next question, did you have a question for the next artist? Because my next question for you is from the last artist. I think I have one. I'll run it by you, make sure it's not like too, <laughs> too, too cheesy or anything. No, it's fine. Honestly, any question, it's up to you. As long as it's appropriate, it's fine. Right. So yeah. So my next question for you is a question from the last artist I interviewed, which was Nate Burbeck, who interviewed only on Monday. Feels like it was ages ago. Wow. Um, yeah, so I interviewed him one day, and his question for you, um, but the great thing is that nobody actually ever knows who I'm going to interview next, yeah, so don't tell I like them, that. Um, is how have you found, and actually, <laughs> it's actually now, in retrospect, it's a funny question, <laughs> is how have you found the circumstances of the pandemic to have affected your work or the way you think about it? Oh, yeah, that's a great question. Uh, I mean, like I said, I probably wouldn't be doing it if it wasn't for the pandemic. Mm. Um, so actually, you know, I obviously, like I said, I take the pandemic extremely seriously and it urge everybody to make i won't tell you what the right choices are but i urge you to make the right choices in navigating yeah. it um but yeah uh i am very thankful i you know i'm mostly an introvert i think too unless i'm very comfortable with somebody or excited about something yeah. i can open up very easily as in with this interview obviously i've been talking a lot but for the most part, I feel like I'm pretty introverted, um, which is challenging as a photographer <laughs> to like not want to yeah, give people yeah, direction and stuff. But, um, but uh, in that sense, I'm very actually thankful for the pandemic because it's given me a good year, almost two years now to kind of reset and just sit back and relax and not worry about um, like how I have to interact with people or who I'm interacting with or anything like that. And thus giving me a lot of free time to, <laughs> to take photos. Um, it's picked back, you know, it's the world has kind of urged itself to pick back up in certain aspects. And so I, I feel like I'm a little busier now, but I think the pandemic was a really good opportunity for me to kind of find out how much I value taking images and, and, and photographing things. And in that sense, I think I have a really healthy idea of like, not getting burnt out on, on photos, but also feeling like I've uh, like come away with like a good experience and a valuable experience every time I go out. So I take a lot of photos, but never to the point where I'm like, I don't want to do this anymore. And that's been really, <clears throat> I have to thank the pandemic for that to give me that opportunity. Um, I can't remember. Was there a second part to that question? Yeah, it was just kind of how the pandemic has affected it. Yeah, so basically, it bred it and gave me the right environment to keep it going, um, which I'm that's perfect. very thankful for. And that's that's funny because when I when you said that at the start, and I was thinking like, oh wait, that's the question I'm going to ask. <laughs> I was like, actually, it works out quite nicely. Though. Yeah, it works out. So, and and this is why I love not telling people who the next artist is. I like that. Yeah, so I'll probably t- I'll tell you offline. Like I'll send yeah. you a link to their work later. But now you don't know. I, I, I like I love that yeah. concept. That's a great 
way to navigate And actually, that. it was actually thanks to Nate, because Nate said to me, oh, maybe when you email people about the interview, you should ask them then for a question. Mm. Because before that, I was literally asking them on the spot. It's like, um, oh, how do I make this creep? And a, yeah. And a lot of people were just like, oh, wait, let me think. And it's yeah. like, actually, wait, he's got a good idea that actually... I should just ask. I do like that. that email. That that makes sense. I'm not sure not if my on. question is much better than if I gave it came up with it on the spot, but <laughs> <laughs> okay, right. So, do you have a question for the next artist interview? Yeah, my question is kind of I don't know if it's a good one. So tell me if it's not good. I can come up with another. But my question is, if it was the last day on Earth and you were only given, you know, that span of time to create one last piece of art painting photograph whatever what would you want to depict in that image no one's gonna see it it's the last day on earth it's purely for yourself what would you want to depict so if it's last on earth and you could only create one image one image or piece of art whatever like a piece of art yeah one piece of art that's actually a really good question a really other question what would you create what would you create yeah because like a lot of people obviously if it's your last day on earth you're probably not creating a piece of art you're probably like seeing your family or whatever whatever panicking that's what i would be doing i'd be freaking out um but yeah if you strip all that away and you're just left with your art what would you want to depict? yeah i actually i actually really like question because i think it's not something that so the, so the one reason i ask other people questions because they're questions i wouldn't think of yeah <laughs> because you know i have i have like a very set order and like at this at this point in time at least now is that like the order doesn't really change too much the question they change obviously depending on the artist mm-hmm. but but there is like an order i have a set like you know i have an introduction i have a social media i have a conclusion right like they're pretty set so i like that odd random question that other artists are going to ask me to ask the next person. And I love it. I love that. Um, okay. So do you think that being an artist is liberating or isolating or both? Huh. Oh, that's a really good one. I think probably both. That's a cop out, but I would say both. I think for me, creating the art or taking the photograph is very isolating. And I actually like it that way most of the time unless it's a portrait thing obviously can't be isolated but most of the work that i feel most proud of is at 2 a.m and i'm fully alone and there's nobody else even on the street and that that's like the stuff that i love um and i think a lot of artists operate in that way you know i think you can be part of a big collective and like or work in a shared studio like my partner works in a shared studio with other artists so she's never fully isolated but i think kind of in her zone is what I would maybe call it, is a sense of isolation, a sense of focus and being alone or whatever. And I think that I think that in and of itself can be liberating. But, <clears throat> sorry, but then it, um, sharing that work, making you know income off that work, like Sarah Sarah does with her ceramics, is like her almost her full time job now. Um, I think that can be really liberating, um, and huh, I guess that can also be isolated. It's kind of weird. I guess there's a lot going on there. That's a loaded question, but I think both and for different reasons and both are, in my opinion, most of the time they're good, I would say. For me, my experience thus far, both the liberation and the isolation have been beneficial and um, have, I think, made my work better over time. 
That's an absolute great answer. And I think most people say most people say both yeah, probably. anyway because there's, <laughs> there's different aspects to both right. that in which it's you know beneficial. Um, and a question I was meant to ask you actually Asia that I completely forgot oh, to yeah, ask you, yeah. and just because you said about going outside by yourself is like how do you stay safe when shooting at night? I don't. I probably that's something I should probably put more thought into <laughs> uh, because actually I don't even I bring my phone with me, but most of the time my phone is. Well, lately, you know, I was talking about TikTok. This is like a weird way to tie everything together, but I was talking about TikTok and YouTube and stuff. Yeah. I already have been considering that because I have a lot of videos on my phone that are self-shot, just set up of me, like, you know, setting up my camera or loading the camera or, you know, composing my shot or whatever, because I would like to get some kind of slice of life, more realistic ideas of like what I'm doing when I'm out. Um, so the phone isn't even near me. It's like across a parking lot set up on a bench or something like that on a little tripod. Uh, and then I don't really tell, I don't really know where I'm going. So I have no way of telling anyone where I am. I, I think I share my location with Sarah. So that's one way, I guess. Yeah. And then other than that, you know, I have my AirPods in most of the time, so I can't hear anything and I'm pretty focused. So I'm not really that safe, I guess. Um, I do feel like uh, Portland itself is, it's in a lot of headlines lately for a lot of different reasons. And some of them I think are uh, blown out of proportion. Uh, I don't know how in tune you are with Portland, but like. I'm not very. Not very. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, I don't think it's as, I don't think. I don't necessarily ever feel unsafe when I'm out shooting at night. I think um, I'm confident in my city. I know, I know like where I'm going and what I'm doing and I wouldn't ever really put myself in a position to be specifically unsafe. I have had a couple run-ins with people who aren't happy that I'm photographing near them, even if I'm not photographing them, which I never am. But like, you know, I, I go to motels and stuff like they're yeah. not, they're kind of seedy. They're not like the best of places. And I've had people, you know, shout like, no, I wouldn't take photos over here. Like, and then I don't, yeah, I just walk yeah. away. I'm like, all right, I won't. Cause I don't want to test it. Um, but yeah, I, I, I stay safe enough. I think <laughs> I probably should think about it more. I'm kind of a, you know, through skateboarding and stuff. And I'm kind of a, I just like to jump into stuff. So I don't think about it that much, but. See, it's so funny because again, Zach and Jake said exactly the same thing. Yeah. They were like, oh. <laughs> and I'm just thinking like, but then I guess it's because it's about the experience of going out and shooting. Yeah. You don't think about anything else. It's not, it's not like you're like, you know, Mr. Safety, but at the same time, I would just say to you, just kind of bear it in mind. Oh yeah. No matter how safe, <laughs> no matter how safe you think you are, no matter if it's two o'clock in the morning, right. that's even worse because no one else is going to be around. If no one knows, happened. yeah. And and it's kind of like just you know, the image is great, but just don't take the risk. That's yeah, me. that's just that's just from me. No, I I fully agree, and I think that's valuable advice for anyone that's like getting into it. That's also a place of, you know, I I'm really like serious about recognizing like any kind of privilege I have is you know just like being a masculine person especially a masculine white person uh in portland is i'm offered a lot of uh intrinsic 
safety liberties that a lot of other people yeah. wouldn't. So I would urge anybody that, you know, if they see me taking photos at 2 a.m. Um, yeah, to think about it pretty, pretty thoroughly, figure out what you're doing and um, and also like reach out to people who also do the same thing. Get a group together to take photos. A lot of people, me, myself included, would love to have people to walk around with, um, it, you know, at midnight or whatever, if you feel comfortable. I think that's valuable advice. Yeah, absolutely. So my next question for you, yeah, I've only got a couple more questions. Okay. So my next question for you is, what kind of skills do you need to be a photographer um, outside of the actual taking of the image? Yeah, I think a lot of, um, well, one, I think you can go on YouTube and learn a lot of stuff about the technical aspects of taking photos. So I don't feel qualified, nor would I ever give that advice to anybody. Um, <clears throat> Cause I really don't know what I'm doing either. I learned all that stuff off YouTube. Um, I think one skill specifically with film photography is you need to know, you need to be comfortable with disappointment and like, you need to be able to roll with the punches. I have a video that I was took while I was taking a photo the other night. It was my first exposure of the night. I found a really cool scene. And as soon as I clicked the shutter, a car pulled into the parking lot and rolled through my 15 second exposure. So first shot right off the bat was already a, a waste out of, you know, I get 15 shots on a, on a 120 roll. So it's like, that sucks. And that, you know, that shot costs 75 cents, which doesn't seem like a lot, but in the long term, it's a lot. Um, of course. So you have to be able to like deal with disappointment. I've had full roles that have come out completely underexposed because I forgot to change the ISO on my camera or, um, or I've had a couple shots where I didn't even take the lens cap off. So it happens and you have to just kind of live with that. Um, I guess that's a, that's a really big skill. And I didn't think it was a skill. I thought it was more of a personality trait, but it wasn't something I had in me at first. And now I've learned to just be able to like, all right, I messed up a roll. It's fine. It'll, it's one roll. Um, another one is I think, um, yeah, you have to, I guess a lot of it is just being comfortable because I feel like you have to be confident and comfortable in what you have available to you. I don't think like not everyone can afford the best camera or the best lens. Well, actually, let me scratch that. No, this isn't really a skill, but just know that your camera doesn't, your film photography, uh, with digital, it's different. It's all built in, but film photography, your camera doesn't matter that much. You can use any camera and get a, a good photo. Like I'd say invest more money into your film stock, a lens, if you really want to be into gear like that, um, a lens will go a lot longer way than a camera ever would. Um, but, and then most of all, invest your time and energy into trial and error and becoming a better photographer, you know, composition wise, color wise, and finding your style. That's most important. That's not really a skill. I just think it's a valuable tip for everyone to know. Um, but I think this, the, the tip or the skill I would have is just being comfortable with what you're doing and, and knowing that, um, your your result will only be as good as your there's limitations to what you can do with photography i mean you can shoot digital in a raw file and pretty much edit it however you want 
but even so the image itself is only going to be that that you took and and the composition that you took so being comfortable and being like willing to learn that kind of falls in line with the being able to uh, roll with the punches and accept failure but just being able to learn and being open to the idea that what you see on instagram or on a website or in a photo book or in a magazine is maybe maybe you're a prodigy but rarely are you going to capture something that beautiful right off the bat and it takes a lot of time my photos that i have in the beginning of my lightroom roll are horrendous and they might have been really good to me or somebody else they might be really good to somebody else right now um but to me they look horrendous and I still value them though, because I wouldn't be taking the photos I am now without them. So yeah, I guess those aren't really skills. I guess this is more of a like personality traits, but no, that's still, no, that's still great. Yeah. That's perfect. That was, it's still valuable information either way. For sure. Yeah. So that actually leads quite nicely into my next question, uh, which is like, in your opinion, what makes a good image? Mm-hmm. Um, in my personal opinion, what makes a good image for me, like in, in what I, the photos I take is something that has, uh, something that has a, an aspect of like related, like it's relatable. It's like easy to, if you don't live here or haven't experienced that sign or that car or that intersection or whatever, like it's something that you can look at and feel like I've been there before, or like I've seen that before and <clears throat> and thus feel comfortable with it i don't really like take photos to push anyone outside of their comfort zone or make them experience something they never have experienced before like uh if they have if it does great but that's not really what i'm doing it for i'm mostly making it making an image so that people can feel like related to something and feel comfortable with something and so that a lot of times is stuff like a dreamy atmosphere or like something, um, you know, pr- good color. If it's a color image, like good, deep, rich colors. Um, I don't, lo- I don't personally like love, uh, I shoot a lot of night photos, which is hard to avoid high contrast images, but I'm not necessarily always looking for like the most contrast or the most saturation in an image. I mostly just want like a natural kind of essence of like what this looked like when I came across it, which actually just to circle back real quick to the tips. That's fine. I would, I would invest in or skills. I would invest in learning Lightroom and Photoshop if you want to use them. Um, There's other things you can use to edit photos, obviously, but I use Lightroom. I use Photoshop for a couple of things. Um, but I, especially film photography, there's a big controversy behind you edit your film. Do you not edit your film? It's not real film. If you edit it, it's coming digital. The more you edit it, I say, whatever, feel however you want to feel about it. I edit my photos to make them feel most like how I experienced it because film stocks do their own thing. It's it, they, they render things however they feel like rendering it. And if it's expired, that's even more so. You can get crazy color shifts and stuff. Sometimes you'll never fix it to the point where it felt like when you saw it. And sometimes you'll like the way it came out on film and you won't edit it at all. But I personally like to edit my film 
just slightly white balance and color correction to the point where it looked how I remembered it looking because I, again, I'm taking photos for the experience. And if it doesn't look how I experienced it, it's not going to feel the same way. So, um, but yeah, as far as what I look for in other people's photography and what I think makes a good photo, I don't know. You can do whatever you want. I think uh, I, uh, I like all kinds of photography, street documentation, environmental portraits, landscapes, nature, aerial, uh, I don't remember what it's called, like nighttime sky star photography. I think all that stuff's beautiful and in its own right. And it has, uh, you know, varying levels of like, um, mastery or professionalism or how well it's rendered and stuff. A lot of the stuff I consume is on an, on the computer, on a, uh, phone and the resolution of those products is only so much you'll never capture exactly what a photo was looking like in the viewfinder um, or in the screen um, so yeah I think I just look for anything that makes me feel like it sounds kind of silly but I just anything that I'm like that looks good like that looks pretty or like that looks comfortable or that looks weird I don't know like uh I one of my favorite photographers is a local photographer she does mostly portraits um her name is Anya Kennedy and I actually went to elementary school with her but um she's lost touch and she's grown into becoming this amazing photographer um and all of her stuff is something that I would never shoot I would never even think of shooting these crazy uh crazy props, crazy outfits in these, uh, um, portraits and yeah, they're, they're stunning though. And, and she shoots digital mostly. So it's a completely different world than mine. So, um, yeah, I, I look for anything that just interests me or makes me feel comfortable. I don't know. It's kind of a weird thing. I like anything. <laughs> it's the same way I'm with music. I like everything. I, so there was actually a second part of that question. Oh yeah. And the second and the second part is what was the last image or piece of media that captivated you? And what was it about it that left an impression on you? Ooh. All right. Uh the last it's not an image. It's a um it's a move, it's a film that I just watched. Uh took me forever to watch it, but uh it's a horror film hereditary that came out in 2018. Oh, okay. Yeah, Ari Aster is quite the director um i wouldn't say that the cinematography is anything like incredible it's not going down in the books for like it's cinematography but i think horror films which are some of my favorite films are extremely hard to to for this for the image imagery alone to not be kitschy or corny or or already been done um you know, slasher movies have been done. Like we've seen a million slasher, we've seen a million villain movies, Jason, Freddy, whatever, Texas Chainsaw, all that stuff. Um, those are not, they're, they're great for, they're great in their own right. And like, I love those movies. Um, but there's something about well constructed and eerily um, captured films that I just, I love them. Hereditary was a great one. Um, it got me because it's a really monotone, very dark, um, low exposure film. And 
it makes you search in every corner of the frame, every scene, you're like, what's in the corner? Like, what is in there? And sometimes it's nothing. And sometimes it's a lot. And, uh, I, like I said, I draw a lot of inspiration from film. I'm sure the horror films don't come across in my images at all, but I would love to do some, some images where they, that, that influence does come across, but yeah, hereditary was one of my favorite shots. I don't want to ruin it, I guess, but, um, one of my favorite shots is at the end and it's a very quick shot and it just, I can't say it without ruining the whole movie, but it's something about that shot that just got me like, cool, I got to go out and shoot photos. And that's what I did two nights ago. I just like got in my car and started taking photos and trying to like pull from that movie. So that's probably the last thing I saw that really made me like inspired to go out and shoot. That's so cool. That's so cool. And I think it's, it's really, really awesome that you said it, that you mentioned a film as well. I think that's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's super cool. Um, so what do you think your art says about you? I think it says, well, it's, it's, that's a tough one too, because like I said, I don't put myself into the art a lot. Like I don't really, it's really only on Instagram and I don't go on that very much, but I think if you saw my images, you would probably think I'm a lot different than I am. (laughs) I think you would probably think I, uh, am a night owl, which I'm not at all. Uh, I am, I guess I am now with only for f- photography, but you probably think I enjoy being, you know, going out a lot. You probably think I only, only really like value, uh, really like cinematic images and things like that. Um, that's probably what you would think. Um, I guess for me, my images tell me that like, I love the place that I live um, and I enjoy exploring. That's probably like the main thing about my images is they all are pretty much bred out of just wandering around. Um, And any portraiture, I think, I think you would see that, like, I would hope that you get the idea that the subjects and the people I photograph are comfortable with me. Like they, they have a good time with me. Um, they don't look, you know, like they've been bossed around or told what to do very much. And they mostly look like they, they, they naturally would in that setting. Um, but yeah, I'm not sure. That's a tough question for me to answer, I guess. I'd love to ask somebody else that I'd love to ask, like, what do you think about this person? I mean, I should ask somebody. Good. You should be create a fake Instagram account. Yeah, like, exactly. Oh, I use my backup. No, you should. Or even better, get one of your friends to ask. Yeah, no, that's a good. Or just, or just ask your followers. Just say, what do you think my website is about me? That's a good question. There you go. I'm going to put that on my story. <laughs> well, no, I'll be answering that quite easily. Yeah. <laughs> um, so the last question, um, unfortunately or fortunately, depending on how you feel. Un- I think um, unfortunately. <laughs> I'm glad you just said unfortunately. No, so the last question is what are you currently working on and where can people find more about you and your work? Yeah, I don't have much to go for the second part of that question. You can go on my Instagram. You could check out the New Music Monday podcast because I do we do talk about you know ourselves a lot too. Um, you could probably learn more about me just listening to me talk. 
or you could re-listen to this whole interview because I told probably I probably told you more about myself than I've told anyone in the last five years. So um, let me think. I uh, what am I working on? Um, I'm really just getting into more of this portrait kind of grind. I want to do some cool stuff with some more artists. Uh, I have a couple more people lined up just to do some stuff for any music rollout that they got going on. I would love to to um, put a put a photo book together. Um, and I'm kind of collecting. I'm gonna probably. I don't know if this is good or bad news to anybody. Probably no one cares. But I'm I'm gonna probably stop posting on Instagram so much and um, start making more of a collection, a backlog of stuff that I would want to use for a larger project. Um, Cause I have a lot of work, but I, I want to make sure that if I did do a project that was printed or part of a collection, I would want to make sure that it's exactly how I want it. Cause I am a little bit of a perfectionist about that. So yeah. I don't want to give away too much work that's already been seen, you know, like I want to keep a lot of it in the tuck. So I've been posting, you know, like three times a week lately, but I think it'll probably scale down to like once a week, just so I can keep some more of that stuff for myself and for a larger project. But I do have a lot of ideas for more cohesive like zines and things like that. I was working on and we'll probably pick up again a zine about um, Portland. I don't know about other places, but Portland has a pretty cool like um, like alleyway system throughout parts of the city um and i grew up in you know living on an alleyway and spent a lot of my like childhood running around the alleys in my neighborhood and i would like to do a project about just kind of like the odds and ends and things that you find in the alleyways in portland there's like crazy cars there's crazy murals and things all over the place so i think that would be really fun so i have some stuff shot for that and i'll probably do a more cohesive like planned out section for that um it's all hypotheticals right now i don't have anything that i'm i got like a folder full of stuff uh, i want to get some prints going just to uh you know make a couple bucks and i've had a lot of people reach out about it so um yeah i guess that's all i really got oh and then i'm going to it's a it's an investment, but I'm going to be uh, investing in a with a friend. Be investing in a Super 16 camera so that I can shoot some moving motion picture film stuff for possibly some music videos, but most likely just kind of like some artistic, I don't know, odds and ends stuff that I can mess around with more cameras. That's really what I. That's one thing. It's quite the investment, though. So. I, probably take a while <laughs> that concludes the second and final part of my conversation with Trent Loader thank you very much for listening if you have any questions or comments about it please send me an email at theflyingfruitball at gmail.com or by social media sites such as Instagram and Twitter Flying Fruitball podcasts can be found on a variety of sites such as Spotify, YouTube, Apple Music, or we ever listen to podcasts. If you like the show, please consider rating, reviewing, sharing, and subscribing on all of those platforms. 
Also, please don't forget to check out theflyingfreeball.co.uk for daily art inspiration and for written interviews. If you're a creative, please get in touch for a chance to be featured and interviewed. We now also have a Patreon page if you're interested in supporting the platform further. Tears start at £1 and for more details, please check out patreon.com forward slash theflyingfreeball. Once again, thank you very much for listening to the interviews today. And until next time, folks, please stay safe.